0: Federal Drive is presented by GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families. Visit GEHA.com.
1: The Treasury Department and the IRS are calling on teleworking employees, some of them anyway, to return to the office for half of their workdays, starting in a few months. The policy only applies to Treasury and IRS non-bargaining unit employees, though. IRS Commissioner Danny Werfel says it's the latest step in the Biden administration's goal of bringing back D.C. area federal employees into the office about 50 percent of the time. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has the latest. And when does this take place, Treasury and IRS 50 percent of the office. When, Jory?
2: The data on the calendar that we're tracking is May the 5th, so a couple of months from now. And it's going to impact, as you said, Tom, IRS executives, managers, non-bargaining unit employees with telework agreements, specifically in the national capital region. And the same goes for the larger treasury side of things. Uh, so this affects people at IRS headquarters their massive New Carrollton Farrell Building in Maryland, and a couple of other offices in the greater D.C. metro area. This is all based on an email that we saw from Warfel to IRS employees last week and One other caveat here, IRS employees that are part of the agency's remote work pilot, something looking at a longer term work from home arrangement that runs through June. And those employees are also not currently impacted by this return to office announcement.
1: So they won't ask them to find an office to go to, in other words.
2: At least for right now, they're not.
1: And what is Treasury? What is IRS's reasoning here for getting people back 50 percent of the time? at least those that aren't in the bargaining unit. At some level, this is
2: the order coming from the top. We've heard from the Biden administration for a number of months now that the priority is bringing people back in the D.C. metro area just because there is such a high concentration of federal employees in D.C. and the surrounding area. But at one level, what we heard from the IRS specifically about the D.C. metro area is that it's a high concentration of the people who are setting policy for the agency. It's a high concentration of the executives. It's a high concentration of the senior professionals that really play a key role in the kind of big modernization work that's going on at the IRS. And one other thing that we heard from Werfel on this is that as the IRS is bringing in new employees, and it's bringing in a lot of new employees, that it's really essential for them to have that kind of synergy with the agency and the people who are supervising them.
1: And the National Treasury Employees Union, their members at IRS are not affected. What do they say about this or do they care one way or the other since it's not them?
2: They definitely care about this, even though currently their employees are not affected by this. Werfel did say that they are going to sit down with NTU and see what kind of arrangement they can work out for bargaining unit employees. But a statement from Doreen Greenwald, she says that the IRS and Treasury are doubling down on an unwise guidance from the Office of Management and Budget to have more in-office days, uh, specifically, and this is a direct quote here, without compelling data or justification. And actually, NTU had sent over a copy of Treasury's own recent telework assessment that it gave to. Congress. And in that assessment, Treasury found that there was no evidence that telework created a negative impact on retention, recruitment, or organizational performance. In some cases, quite the opposite. And so NTU is really frustrated. They say that at a time when the IRS is trying to hire up, trying to keep people, they're really losing one of their best bargaining chips, which is workplace
1: flexibility. And the IRS employees now that would be affected by the return policy. How much are they coming in at this point?
2: Well, at this point, IRS is a particularly unique case when it comes to return to office because in a lot of cases, the IRS has already brought a lot of people back. They started back in the summer of 2020, back when they was dealing with this Tsunami of paper, mail that was not getting opened. And so this has been a longer tale for the IRS than most people. Warfel recently told the House Ways and Means Committee that overall, the IRS is already basically meeting this 50 percent in office goal. And here's what he told lawmakers.
0: There is a government-wide standard out there in terms of where we stand today, what should be the percentage of in-office work versus remote work. The IRS is generally consistent with that government-wide standard.
1: And of course, Congress is hot and cold over the IRS. Did any of the members have anything to say about these 50 percent plan that Warfel laid out? Lawmakers definitely made
2: their thoughts known on this. This was a nearly four-hour hearing they had with Commissioner Warfel. We heard from a number of lawmakers, but this really typifies the kind of dynamic going on here. We heard from David Kustoff. He's a member of Congress, a Republican from Tennessee. And he was saying that A lot of his constituents still can't get the IRS on the phone. And he links return to office to that uh, inability to get people on the phone and says that they'd be able to answer more calls if more people were in the office.
1: I would contend respectfully that not having employees in the office and having them work remotely presents challenges not only to your agency, but to the people that have to interact with it.
2: And to that point, Warfel told Kustoff that, look, you're all invited to look at IRS campuses. The employees that need to be there are there. They're opening the mail. They're processing the tax returns during the tax filing season. All of the stuff that is unique to being in person is being done. And then other lawmakers, they did raise a very good point that just last month, the IRS, a former IRS contractor was sentenced to five years in prison because this contractor years ago, leaked thousands of tax records, some of them belonging to former President Donald Trump, to the news media. And they said, well, this is something that could only happen because employees were working from home. Werfel pushes back against that characterization and says that whether employees are working from home or working in the office, the IRS is really hardening its uh, privacy and its data security efforts. There are steps that you can take to ensure appropriate security whether the employee is in a skiff, in a non skiff or remote. And we have to
0: make sure that we're securing, because there may be situations, whether it's a weather event or otherwise, or a pandemic, where we have to ensure the right level of security regardless of where the employee is.
1: And I don't think they're allowed to take paper out of there at home and process it. They can do online through a VPN or whatever they're using these days, for the online electronic stuff, but paper can't leave and go home, is my understanding.
2: That's right. Not only can they not take paper back, but they can't create new paper at home. A lot of the things that they're looking at, they're prohibited from printing at a home printer. And so trying to not leave that paper trail out there, trying to reduce the opportunities for PII out there. The IRS is really conscious about that, and they're really taking steps to not have a repeat of what they just saw.
1: And the congressman is actually factually wrong on the idea that you can't answer the phone from home. Almost every major corporation that has a teleservice operation, and that's a lot of them, people are working from home because modern technology means you can have a call center that's virtual. The trafficking, the the lineup, the queue-ups, the callback, all that happens online. And I have been dealing with customer service people myself at corporations, and I've heard dogs barking. I said, you're teleworking. Yeah, she says, yeah. No difference from if they were in a call center. Yeah. Well, I think just to follow
2: up on that, Tom, real important point, considering the IRS's customers, which is the entire U.S. population, they need folks answering the phones in every time zone, making sure that when the phones ring, someone's around to pick it up, regardless of what time it is where.
1: All right. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. And be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com, where we have ongoing coverage of the great telework debate. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. As the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency's Chief People Officer, Elizabeth Comstetter sees a focus on people as absolutely crucial to her leadership style.
0: especially to people who have different perspectives or at a different point in the career, not just the people who know the program or the technical really well. And so that was a mistake I made. And I realized in my own sense, I wasn't listening to very different opinions. And I probably should have because I would have learned more about what was needed for this program going forward than just leaving, getting, getting upset that it didn't go a certain way. So I've really practiced active listening. I've practiced making sure there's very different people on um, teams and certainly on committees or councils that we need early careers, people new to the agency, people who haven't walked in the shoes of the technical workforce, because they're asking questions we need to hear for these programs to be successful.
3: Excellent. Your career in talent management means your work is very closely tied to people. And even your title, Chief People Officer, what does that mean to you to be a leader in the federal system with that focus?
0: Isn't that a great title? I just love the title Chief People Officer, and I think it's my dream job, really, to be focused on people and culture and the workforce strategy for the whole agency. And I'm just so excited to be at CISA. At this point in time, we're only four years young as an agency, so we're really still creating who we're going to become as an agency and what is our culture and what kind of people and talent do we need to be sure we have to be successful. So it's very exciting for me to be in this role with a intentional focus on culture, because it's one of those things, if you leave it to chance and you kind of hope it goes the way you want it to, it probably won't. So by building programs, including leadership development programs, including certain activities that we would hope would in, would increase engagement. In this era, you can't do once a year and understand what your employees' experiences are, what they need, what's working well, and what needs to improve. We need active, uh, ongoing listening programs. So one of the things we're doing at CISA is having more pulse surveys, having more focus groups and what we call sensing sessions expecting our leaders to have office hours where anybody can come and just talk about what's going well, what do they need, how, how are things going, um, because I, we feel like it is an ongoing need to hear from our people. And I think in this role and over the years of serving, I've also realized there's never a one-size-fits-all. You know, We think certain people need certain things at certain times in their career. There's no one-size-fits-all. Neither can we also customize everything to every individual. So there's got to be a sweet spot in building really great talent programs, but also, like I said, thinking about can we do this in modules? Can we make it a menu? Can we do it just in time as people need it so they can practice the new skill or knowledge in their role? So I think we have such great opportunity, again, with the technology that enables us to really um, focus on how we connect people with their work and their team to get things done in in very new ways.
3: This is always an interesting question. Is there a figure, either from your personal life, your past, somewhere in history generally, that inspired you, your leadership style, um, how you view leadership?
0: There are many figures who have been very inspirational to me, but there is one that sticks out, and that's my mother, Paula Brownlee, who has been a very inspiring leader to me all my life. And I think because first and foremost, she had a strong family and a strong career. And that's something I always wanted. And I saw her first as my mother, but then I also saw her as a leader in her career and in academia, which was her chosen field. But I always knew her family came first. And as I saw how she balanced different family needs with also a, a growing and more and more prominent um, career positions in leadership, that she had to balance that. And I think I learned from her that you can have both. You have to, you have to focus on different things through your career um, and through your life, but that you don't have to trade one for the other. Um, I've been married, happily married, for 32 years, and I'm a mother of twins